0: It is a problem. There hasn't been a, a hasn't been a clack clack in any hip hop song in a long time. I'm waiting for it to come back. Triple X Three brought back the record scratch. Brilliant. But yeah. th- there was a Triple
1: X three? Return did of bit- Xander Cage, Bruce. Oh, yeah, that's I was actually just going through all of our <laughs> film house
2: podcasts. <laughs> Gosh, that's one of the episodes, and I think you're in it. Uh, really? <laughs> oh, Bruce Maybe. Little,
0: I
3: know I am. Triple X Three was very good. It was very good. <laughs> it was very good. No, it was what I loved good. About, Well yes, it was. Because very what I loved about that movie was that was a movie that pretended that Triple X, the first one, was a movie that not only did everybody see, but also <laughs> like, fondly remembered about. Out. Like they, they would do so many little things where you're just like, he's like, I got to get my coat back. And you're like, oh, what? It's Triple X's and his like, coat. Everyone's he like, oh, back. it's coat. It, yeah, yeah. But they just play it as if it's like, yeah, that's that's the no different than uh, Captain America's Shield. Y'all yeah. remember that and love that. I'm like, I was, like it was like, it basically lived in an alternate universe where Triple X was an amazing movie that everyone saw. And they
0: just ran with it. I was like, so down with that. They, there was also like, they, they teased out, the reveal of Xander Cage because you yeah, don't see his face yeah, for like the true. first 20 <laughs> minutes. True. 20 right, hope, minutes? He I does like this it. cool sequence. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he... The he, first sequence is so good. He's a, he's like vandalizing a radio tower which you find out it's not vandalism he's actually doing something pretty noble for the indigenous people so like who gives a fuck. But <laughs> then it's like is he giving
2: like free 3G or something. He's getting the, he's
3: he's getting them the soccer game. Yeah,
0: he gets some reception for the the <laughs> soccer match. He's killing cable. That kind of seems racist. But the then he ever- like he like he he like fucking boards down a mountain yes. and oh. then like jumps off, locks his feet into another board and then starts boarding down the roads. Where did the other board come from?
3: It was prepared.
0: He was here's ready. The, here's
3: the best part about the board is then he comes back, he brings soccer to the town Every everyone loves him the old men are cheering the kids are like running a <laughs> gathering in the village yeah. and then he just bones down oh. on a babe and then the next morning he's just he just ghosts her and he leaves his board behind and she's like <laughs> and it's like literally the thing where it's like the the curtains like part yeah. and she looks
2: and just his board's like sorry babe like <laughs> this movie's rats it's like it's the weird Vin Diesel clause when he's a producer he's like there needs to be a scene to prove I'm not gay <laughs> <laughs> well, he, well
0: later on he fucks his way through an entire room of
2: women oh <laughs> but they they don't show it is exactly after he gets his code.
0: <laughs> yeah. He gets his code back, so now he's in full VIN mode. <laughs> and then it's like it's the things I do for my country scene. Oh, so good! Except it's punched up like everything in Triple X3, so it like fades back in on, on like 18 women end to end that are all so thoroughly
2: sexually satisfied.
0: Who directed this And then movie? he like steps over them all with a smirk Who and just walks and away. Who
2: directed
1: this film? Uh, I think so the X Games, <laughs> uh, they should be <laughs> executed. <mountain> dew. <laughs>
3: Well, hey. well what I love about his delivery in that movie too, in all the movies, is that he basically just goes into this like post-coital grunting mode of line delivery. So like every line is just like, hey, alright. <laughs> it's because he's a cool dude. He's, he's a cool
0: dude. Doesn't take anything seriously, but he's always awesome. He
3: yeah. does he does um Oh, there's oh my god, this could be talking about this the entire time.
1: Well, let, let, um, uh, let, let, let me get, get intro of the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let
0: me let me get through some homework <laughs> yeah, first. Welcome here. to the
1: Triple X3 podcast. <laughs>
0: oh god, I went Oh the second one, yeah. Part two. Part three? Whatever. <laughs> Hey, welcome to a Critical Bull Dude Soup. You didn't make it, but that doesn't give you any less of a right to criticize what's in it. (laughs) It'll make sense later. later. (laughs) later. He always says
1: that, and it never does.
0: (laughs) I'm your host, Lawrence Sontag, joined by uh, a crew of expert panelists. Uh, Mm -hmm.
2: There's Far Cry enthusiast Adam Kovic. Hi, Skyrim with guns kill me. (laughs)
1: Yep, that's it. Uh, Cry Far enthusiast Bruce Green. I have yet to play Far Cry Five, but I'm very, very excited. I will. And uh, a self
0: identified professional asshole, Freddie Wong. Welcome to the (laughs) podcast.
3: (laughs) Far Cry Two was the best. Far Cry, don't at me.
2: Whoa! I'll defend you. I'll defend you on that. Far Cry Two. Yep. Far Cry Two.
0: All right. Freddie Wong says it's true. (laughs) Today's podcast is brought to you by two sponsors, Beachbody and Black Tux. You can get a free trial membership to Beachbody on Demand by texting "dude" to thirty thirty thirty. And you can get $20 off your Black Tux purchase by going to blacktux.com slash soup. All right, guys. We got an exciting show today because we're really going to stick it to those games journalists. Don't we do that
2: every show? Yeah, but this no. time
0: especially. You sitting there in your 35 grand a year in your San Francisco overpriced
1: apartment. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. They're just trying to help out. I'm coming after you. Okay. They chose that life. Kind of, yeah. I don't know. Do you, you have a liberal arts degree? No. <laughs> Lawrence (laughs) is making fun of himself, because he was probably going to be a game- Came up through the
2: ranks, man. In another life, uh, Xander Cage isn't a household name, and Lawrence is writing for (laughs) Kotaku's (laughs) second (laughs) website, because it got so popular. (laughs) They got a million, man. They got
0: Compete, (laughs) eSport, whatever. Who? Who? So, uh, Adam and I have been playing a lot of Far Cry 5, um, and I was dismayed by a lot of the reviews that heavily criticized the game's story, I kind of get where they're coming from, but at the same time, having played the game now, it doesn't seem like it's fair to ding the game that hard for perceived shortcomings of the story. Personally, I think it's uh, it's got an awesome story and an awesome tone. I think it I think it requires a little for you to be pretty self serious. How, how but, would you describe the story? Actually, for those who don't know, to me, it feels like it feels like RoboCop. You know, it's, it's <laughs> okay. not 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 only in tone and like that they esque, yes, like a parody. It's pulpy as hell yes. Yes, it's always pulpy. it's super yeah. pulpy. It's super violent, but it doesn't it doesn't ask you to take those things seriously mm-hmm. It's just like here's this raunchy s thing and now let's go blow some shit up And it, it kind of revels in the the guilty pleasure of violence Which to me is kind of what Far Cry is about it dumps you in a setting that has no rules because of a warlord or a Magnanimous character called a personality type um, so that's that's my read on it. Um, but I've got some excerpts from reviews here. It's it's sitting at a like a
2: middling eighty on Metacritic, that's which not, you know, not so bad. It's not bad. It's better than that. I will. I oh, would, is it better than that? I absolutely. Okay. I, I, think I, think I, think I think it's much it's like, better than that. It's like a like a, a mid, like maybe like a low to mid ninety. Oh, wow. I think. All right. Ooh. Okay. That's, that's a safe. really good game. I agree.
0: So uh, here's the split. Um, bizarrely, by platform it varies. Seventy seven on PC, eighty three on Xbox One, and eighty one on PS four Um, But as far as I can tell, there's a common thread in all the reviews, or a lot of the reviewers at least echo the same sentiment, is that the game's tonal confusion is a huge mark against it. And largely, um, the subtext is that given its sort of thematic adjacency to politics that are happening right now, a lot of reviewers are criticizing the game for sort of refusing to really comment on or take a stand on those issues, which to me seems really unfair. Uh, Here are some excerpts. This is from Poly- Polygon, our, our good friend, ben, Benny Cooch, Ben Kuchera, <laughs> writes, uh, quote, Far Cry 5 had the potential to say something interesting by setting the game in America, but its murky story and themes do more to taint the game's fantastic and playful open world than to give it purpose and meaning. And then at the end, quote, what's left if you have the stomach to ignore the story? A very enjoyable game with an immense number of things to do, a beautifully recreated portion of the United States, and a collection of missions with wildly varying tones and structure. It's a finely-tuned open-world game stapled onto a story that's insultingly bad. <laughs> to be fair, that's every Far Cry game in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but,
2: but, I mean, it's it just weird. Insultingly bad? It's just like, the story's you,
0: bad, everything else is great, 6.5. point That's true. That's I've fair.
2: never played a game where i Sir, <laughs> <laughs> I am a I am insulted. Well, that's the thing. I, I what? Knack, the subtext of knack, a lot of these reviews. No, you're insulted yeah, by
1: the story. It was very racist. Mac <laughs> was racist. Incredibly so. You can put that on the box if you want. Mac <laughs> was racist.
3: But you're right. Actually, it's sole selling point. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. It's just imagine
2: the same typeface that just Mark, says racist. Mark Sir, he's like, this is my childhood dream right here. I hate Indonesians. Oh, <laughs> Where did that she, one whoa, come whoa, from? Whoa, Hold on. Why them? It. He's like, you know what they did. Oh, hold on. What was, uh, Mark, really settle weird. down. Look at the physics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so many polygons. All right, uh, this is from Eurogamer from Edwin Evans Thurwell, which is a very European name. Uh, <laughs> Quote, there's little sustained investigation of wider social factors like the overlap between militant Christian extremism and white supremacy or sexism. Indeed, the game generally ducks such questions. The cult's ranks are stocked with a mixture of races and genders in what feels like careful sanitizing of the subject matter. Uh, the Guardian uh, from Keza McDonald writes, quote, the Edensgate cultists might be extremists, but they're emphatically not white supremacists. It comes close to trying to say something, but never actually does. And it's far more comfortable when it's being silly than serious, making you wish that it had commented wholeheartedly to playful satire
1: rather than spreading its bets. Okay,
2: wait, hold on. I never once
1: thought they were white supremacists. Well, no, I think this, the writers are saying they should be. I, that's that's what it seems to me and I'm not saying that they're right actually I think they're <laughs> wrong but they're all saying well if they had said they were white supremacists then this game would be a commentary on it's also, culture also,
3: it's also really weird to be like it's oh uh, it should have been you know shouldn't spread its bets when it's like again that is the game series like through and through that's, yeah, like that's exactly a, what it should uh, be mix doing mix of it you yeah. know it's always been that way
2: it's, I, it's just a weird thing to be mad to be like man the game should have been about like what i want it to be about or like that's a that's a straight. Was it? Uh, yeah, Lawrence has said the quote before, but the thing about Roger Ebert, where it's mm-hmm. like, did the artists uh, do what they intended to do? Yeah, and yeah, it's, how it,
1: effectively did? Yeah, they
2: far do that. be it for me to be like, you should have done the thing I want. It's like, then go fucking make it.
1: Well, all, all of Ubisoft. I mean, like, I'm betting that they're probably fine with these reviews because they, I think they set out what they wanted to do or they attained what they wanted to do, which was they wanted to keep this for the broadest audience possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that this should be appealing to white supremacists. I'm saying (laughs) that basically they wanted nobody to be upset about the fact that everyone was, you're fighting like a really super religious, you know, violent cult. And I feel like most people in the world can get behind that. Whereas if they had started to try to comment on uh, politics or society or whatever, Mm -hmm. then they would have eliminated, you know, Thirty percent of their audience, or fifty percent of their audience, or whatever else, right. and that's not what Ubisoft has ever done. I mean, they've always I think, made games for the for the masses.
3: I think it's also important to to understand also the cultural context that's coming in too. Which is, I mean, again, not to say that you can't have this, but it, it reminds me a little bit of like kind of the controversy around Three Billboards, hmm. which is Ubisoft here is yeah. you know this is Sorry. a French Canadian company yeah, setting true. this in America, right. right? So there's it's coming from a non-American point of view, yeah. which doesn't mean that's bad, right? I think a lot of times you know, sort of foreign points of view in terms of American culture. You they get, help. You get, yeah, you get like a kind of an inter- interesting point of view on that. But it, started, it kind of reminded me about some of the stuff that people were talking about with Three Billboards, which was, you know, again, there was, there was a lot of stuff where like, hey, this is, you know, they have a depiction of a racist cop and there's a lot of sort of racial themes that they don't touch on. And to me, it's like, I like. I really enjoyed the movie, but I was like, I also can acknowledge that that's a Scottish or you know Scottish playwright, right? Who's doing a comedy set in there, and yeah, I can look at that movie and be like, yeah, he's missing some stuff because probably there's not the same cultural context. But like, you can have both. You can have it be like, I enjoyed that, and I agree, there probably is a way that you can do that, you know, and and hit a certain cultural context in the commentary. But it's like, you know, I think that I, I think what you what you were getting at there earlier though, which is like, it does sometimes feel like. People are reviewing the game they wish they had in front of them, rather than sure. the game Doesn't that they have sense. in front of them. You know.
1: Yeah, that, that's and that's so that's such an interesting. Uh, I hear that criticism a lot from a lot of different people, and, I, and I not have, just that this movie too, games, movies, no and everything, yeah, I mean, everything, everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh well, it should have been this, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't really know that we can say that. I I, right. I think that's the point of this Ubisoft, like franchise and generally their games are that they are left to open like open to interpretation so you take what you want from them if you want to know like all right if you think far cry 5 is about white supremacy then that was your choice you decided that but that doesn't mean that you have to criticize the game because it didn't it basically it didn't set out to do what it wanted to do it didn't set out what you wanted it to do Mm. which doesn't make any sense to me i I, that doesn't should
2: the criteria be like here mr reviewer are all reviewers Review the thing that's in front of you. Review the art that you've been given, and then at the very end, you got you know what? You got a paragraph. Talk about how you would have done it better. Yeah,
1: do speculation. Yeah, and
2: then and then shut the fuck up and then go do the next review (laughs) and tell us how everything's better by sitting there not actually doing anything.
3: Well, but I mean, I don't actually honestly like a well done. I'll put it this way though. I think a well done film review oftentimes, like it, it it should you know bring up points that you're like, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But to me. I think a lot I think what's what's tough in the gaming journalism context is that so much rides like right you have developers who's you know who have bonuses based on their uh metacritic scores right mm-hmm. so so much rides on this review culture and what's weird is then as a result you get stuff where it's like you know right there's the inverse where it's like cool I I think what's interesting is like where where can we sort of Where's the line when we talk about games as art, right? Because on one hand, cool, I want I want reviewers to be like, hey, I think that this is a cultural context that they miss. I want to read that and be like, oh, that's interesting. And be able to hold that in my head and be like, yeah, that's fine. I can still enjoy this game. But at the same time, y- y- there's been so many examples where someone does do that, uh, right? And everyone, you know, takes them to task for Or it's like, what do you want from games? Like I, I kind of wish, I don't mind having a review, a review culture that, you know, lets people take games to task for that. But I think that there's also the problem when it comes to game reviews, which is, like, still sort of very nascent compared to, say, like, other forms of art criticism that so much gets tied into the review itself that I think it's unfair a lot of times. Because, you know, know, I think you should be able to be like, yeah, I think this has problematic elements. I don't know if I, this part works, but I still enjoyed the game at the end of the day, right? Well, and, and that
1: should be up to you. It's kind of an identity crisis, I think, oh, that games have had for a very long time, which is like, well, what do we focus on? The story? Or right. do we focus on the gameplay? Or right. And, and everyone's like, no, games are both. They're both story and gameplay. And it's like, I mean, like a lot of people disagree. A lot of, There are a lot of people that say, uh, I think more and more now, story games are coming out and it's all it is is story. You're yeah. you're playing a movie yeah. and that's okay. Those are no, you know, no big deal. But I'll, there are a lot of people that don't think that that's the right way to do it because it's a video game. You're supposed to interact with it. It's not supposed to feel like a movie. So there's still that identity, identity crisis where people keep kind of going down the middle. Yeah, and I think also
3: I see this a lot too. I remember this around Left 4 Dead 2 when that one came out. I remember how many people were trying oh, yeah. to be like, "Oh, we got boycott this. They're doing all you know." You remember all that? It's just the same game. Same game yeah. over and over again. Yeah. But and, hey, and, man, and... I was cool with paying sixty bucks for new maps. That's all I ever wanted. <laughs> Sometimes that's enough. Yeah, anyway, sorry, but, but I remember no, but I, but I remember like one of the things uh, uh, around the reviews of that game was it really felt like tonally. Sometimes when you read it, you're just like, it feels like the people who are mad at this game are mad because they've already assumed they're buying it, right? It's like, if if you you can read, to me, sometimes you can read a lot of, like, on the audience side where it's like, I'm annoyed at this review because... It's it's a little bit like the grown-up version of PlayStation versus Xbox when a lot of that was like (laughs) in the end It was like why were you a PlayStation fan probably because you didn't have an Xbox and then the Xbox fans in high school or middle school were like yeah, but I can't afford both so I only have this one So I gotta be have allegiance to one to justify your purchase Yeah, so a lot of times I think it's like people are pre just when they approach reviews I think it's not healthy to be like I'm pre justifying my purchase of the next Far Cry game (laughs) So then the moment it's like hey, they don't like it. Well screw those guys I already bought this thing, you know, and I don't want to know that I bought something that you know has problems with it but it's like dog just enjoy the games man that's, that's sort of my well my, i've got a my feeling on it
0: i've got a i've got an interesting question for you guys and and it does tie into sort of roger ebert's th- philosophy of of reviewing uh there was so this was there's a really interesting review he wrote for lo- the longest yard starring adam sandler mm. uh, which is kind of a flashpoint like he, he sort of came at it from this is a fun game and it's going to give people what they want and it was well made, like the director who made it. Fun movie, you mean? Yeah, yeah.
2: sorry. No, was, he I called know. it a game. Yeah, uh, it's, it's about a game. It's about football. It was on TV this weekend. <laughs> but yes, it was a slip
0: <laughs> of the tongue. <laughs> it's weird. Um, but uh, so I'll, I'll read the first half and then the second half, but the first half kind of sets up an interesting question. Quote, I often, this is from Roger Ebert, quote, I often practice a generic approach to film criticism in which the standing point for review is the question of what a movie sets out to achieve. The Longest Yard more or less achieves what most people attending it will expect. Most of its audiences will be satisfied enough when they leave the theater, although few will feel compelled to rent it on video or share it with their friends. So yes, it's a fair example of what it is. So that's the first half. Uh, I think I think under that kind of guideline, I think a lot of these reviews do fall a little short in judging what Far Cry 5 is and what it meant to be versus what they wanted it mm-hmm, to be. Mm-hmm. The, I think the, the the leading question there is then, does good art always... Or should good art strive to provide commentary and interesting and thought-provoking material about subjects that it's adjacent to, that are important or contextual in the time they come out? Mm-hmm. Which is a very complicated question. Well, that's
1: <laughs> really—I mean, like, I first and foremost, I think to myself, typically movies that are the best that we will remember for ages and ages are the ones that are relatively general and usually touch on the like general morality of humanity. It's very rare that they're like, there was a movie I made about one specific subject that that happened at this point in time. And then that's going to be a movie that's uh, a piece of art that people will study for 100 mm-hmm. like, a hundred uh, years. Like Shakespeare is a perfect example. Shakespeare has been studied for hundreds of years and that wasn't about the political time in, you know, Great Britain at the time. There are pieces of it. There are pieces of it in Shakespeare, but it's not about that. It's about love, right? It's about relationships between two people it's usually about murder and like general themes that have per- basically are pervasive to, to humanity at all mm-hmm. um and i don't know that that's why maybe far cry five wasn't supposed to be about white supremacy because that's a flashpoint that's happening right now in our society mm-hmm. so uh let me cut in real quick yes, yeah. because
0: you're absolutely right it's not about white supremacy it never was um if uh, and and this is just the context of it but I've been watching Wild Wild Country which is about the Rajneesh cult. Just I almost finished
1: Yeah, it's all, yeah, almost man.
0: done. That is what this is about. Yeah. It's not about it's not about white terrorism, it's not about gun control. It's not about radicalization or or like neoconservatism. It's about a religious cult mm-hmm. which doesn't have a whole lot to do with race and the Rajneesh cult didn't either. They had all kinds of people in that cult willing to pick up a gun and shoot people. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what this game is about. And in that way, it's pretty topically accurate. And so it's, it's very odd to me that, yeah, everybody came at, with, came at it with this preconceived notion that it was about white gun-owning gun radicalized Americans. that None of the promotion material really said that. It was just the unfortunate timing and adjacency of it. Mm-hmm.
2: Also, it's a game that started development Whatever five years ago.
3: That's another point too. It's like you can't expect it to be it's not a you know an article that's being written in this moment in time too. a lot of these decisions are probably getting baked in before our current climate. Mm -hmm. And I was also I'd also say like I think to answer the question that you posed. I think any piece of art if it you know holds if it is worthy of that title no matter what it does, even if it doesn't explicitly comment on it, it it is saying something about the current time, no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you pull it back from the context. So like, I think about something like The Graduate, which you could argue is a very, you know, is a very emblematic movie of the attitudes of that generation at that time and relevant in that way, you know, and and through, by the way, no conscious effort of being like, let's put Simon and Garfunkel in here. But at the end of the day, that's a movie about a guy having an affair with an older woman, which Mm -hmm. is like, on the surface, you're not like, oh, this is com- explicitly commenting on sort of hippie culture and the transition into, et cetera, you know, adulthood, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, no, it's not. It's an, it is very much a, a uh, an artifact of that time. And so when I look at like something like Far Cry Five or even a lot of the video games now, I think that that is absolutely sort of an artifact of our time period. And I think, again, for better or for worse, I would argue. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was there was just a trailer, wild trailer, <laughs> well, victory happening <laughs> which right
0: which is very Far Cry, and yeah. I think that speak. Uh, I, I, just real quick, there was there was a, a fireball with a screeching eagle flying out of it <laughs> in a trailer that had to just a bunch of people shooting things and blowing things up. I think this game is actually pretty accurate to North American or United States culture, and mm. that it's it's fucking ridiculous and it's just a it's about freedom, right?
3: Uh, or rather, I uh, can I can get into my dissertation later, but um, <laughs> but but to me, like the games like Far Cry, and I think a lot of games right now, it's like it's uh, to me it's it's about this sort of time in in games where it's like cool, we're trying to. Branch out thematically into something uh, we're trying to enrich you know, sort of the settings in a certain way but also, we're still making a lot of concessions to fun and player mm. ability, right? This is definitely not which is kind of one of the reasons why I really like Far Cry two, is because Far Cry Two is a game that takes the Far Cry universe and it's like, this is gross and weird, and also we're just embracing it. So you do feel gross and weird mm. while playing it. And it doesn't try to put like a fun sheen on it. It's like, no, you have malaria and it's gonna <laughs> suck. <laughs> your and you have gun, to constantly yeah, look at Your for gun's that.
2: gonna break if it gets wet. Yeah, exactly. So uh. it's like
3: it kind of knows it's sort of this dirty, weird, gross sort of thing, and it plays with it. Whereas I think, you know, far cry the other far cry. Uh, as, as they went on and, and becoming more commercially successful they're like nah let's just put you in this environment and not worry so much about it and really pulp it up and, and and make a gameplay considerations over say thematic or right like because at the end of the day the question with games is always like are you having fun with this? Yes. And mm. if a game is willing to say, no, we're going to make this unfun, very few commercial AAA games are going to make that concession in the same way that very few commercial AAA movies are going to be like, we're going to make this movie like actively make you uncomfortable. It's like, no, when they're mm. going to do Ready Player One, they're not going to delve into, hey, uh, maybe this whole world where we have imagination, unlimited imagination, we are all obsessed with nostalgia culture is a problem and something we should focus on. No, because that's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to make money. And to me, that's the that's what you the that's the context that you can read uh, a statement like Far Cry Five or any any game or any movie is in that
2: context. So they in Ready Player One though, the, forgot at the very end they give you that little lesson for like half a second. Uh, yeah. they're well, out. they're like, and then the Oasis was closed two days a week because. Sometimes good to hang out with your girlfriends. Like, yeah, for those who have girlfriends,
1: <laughs> <laughs> they skip through that so hard, so fast yeah, at right. the end. But too. see that. But that's another interesting point about that that movie and this game. They're both appealing to the widest audience. Yeah. like the yeah. the, 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 largest, the largest, the largest. No, not the whitest, the most pure, the widest audience. Uh, and. That was the the lesson that at the end of player one which is like go outside occasionally is <laughs> is a lesson that we've been saying for 30 40 years as long as video games and movies and whatever else have, have existed it's actually a humanity lesson hmm. so again it's a very general lesson it's not like uh this white supremacy thing that's happening in this one part of the country we need to go kill that one part of the country it's not at all specific to that I,
2: the, the it's way very I, general the way i saw it is if you've been following the far cry progression since far cry 2 because that's when ubisoft took over um, they've only been doubling down on that theme, like mm-hmm. what Freddie's talking about, where it's like, it, it's this weird sort of, there's always like this kind of like weird cult of personality. Mm-hmm. And it really took off with three. Mm-hmm. And they did it again with four, with them And I think what I, or how I feel, uh, I could be wrong about this, Far Cry is a game that knows what it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they are basically saying we are a fun game. And this is, I think, a big reason why I resonate with them. Because the same way we create content here, I'm not ever trying to teach anyone a lesson. I'm just trying to entertain. And yeah, we might pull you in with interesting ideas and sort of th- themes and all that, but ultimately they're like, think for yourself and walk away with that. And all they really did with the cult thing was they found an interesting way of setting a open world game that usually takes place all around the world with an island setting and creating an island in America. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what a fucking clever way of doing that. Put it in the woods, out in Montana where no one, I don't, I've never been there. I don't know. There's like raptor bones. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, But I was like, what a, what a smart thing to do. And, And they're like, well, what, they probably thought to themselves. Well, what is the who would the enemy be? And so I was like, well, what about a religious cult?" You're like, oh, that's that hasn't been done. They're, they're gonna run out of bad guys pretty soon. I don't.
0: I don't <laughs> I mean oh, Where man. do you go
2: from here people
3: get pretty people are nasty to each other a lot? I think yeah, you but can I figure think it out. I, but I think also, but I think there's a counterpoint to that I think there's absolutely a world though where the setting and the thematic sort of uh, uh, Sort of environment that they put a game like this in has the potential of being of, right like like any piece of art any any imagery any sound any sort of like visual brings with it baggage right well for good sure. or f- for better or for worse when depending on what time and what context you're looking at it in there's absolutely a world where the context that it brings in detracts from maybe the core sort of goal of saying like hey we want to make this fun because there's absolutely a world where if it's like cool we're going to set this in like uh, say like Vietnam during the worst parts of like the Vietnam mm-hmm. War there's definitely a world where it's like ooh now it sort of feels and I would argue real and also I'll even argue like Far Cry 2 kind of did that a little yeah, bit like true. here and yeah, there yeah. It was, but but point being it's like if their goal is X right it goes back to Ebert's thing it's like what's their goal their goal is to make a fun game then they're making these. I mean again like I think one of the things that's really interesting about this one that I don't, I don't see a lot of sort of people kind of brush over I've, I found in the reviews but it's like they put a whole like there's a super drug thing mm-hmm. mechanic in there it's like yes people are controlled with a drug it's hallucinatory mm-hmm. it's all this stuff and that's that puts you so thoroughly in the realm of like pulpy fantasy, like this is not the this is not a real thing. I think you know as as an artist, you should you know as a game creator, they should have the ability to be like, yeah, we want to play around in this context. Sure. And you know, I think that it's if anything, the responsibility here's what it is: it's the responsibility of the reviewer to be like, hey, does this game set out for what it achieves? And then I'm totally fine with. Cool. give me a give me a review that tells me what this did this game do what's it's out to do and then also give me a review where you're like hey here's some interesting cultural thoughts and like hmm. some hmm. some an essay on that because I'm like yeah I'd like to read that because I you know I think that games as art should be able to withstand that kind of criticism
0: well that's a great segue because the other half of uh, Roger Ebert, <laughs> R-
3: Roger Ebert's excerpt does exactly that this
0: is
2: for the whole, whole this, nine yards
0: this are, is the review or, of the longest yard <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole, <laughs> whole nine yards is great <laughs> <laughs> so Ebert basically is out this movie did what it needed to do and thus I am giving a good review but then he goes on to say uh, I would however be filled with remorse if I did not urge you to consider the underlying melancholy of this review and seek out a movie you could have an interesting conversation about I've just come from 12 days at Cannes during which several times each day I was reminded
1: that movies can enrich our lives instead of just helping us get through them well, I think that's the, the difference between Three Billboards yeah. and The Longest Yard. Like Three Billboards you come out of, mm-hmm. and a lot of people started talking about it. I mean, they're like, well, wait a minute. Why did this guy do this? Yeah, and why, yeah, yeah. Well, All yeah. because of this motivation. Or why did this happen because of this motivation? You had to, you really had to dig in and think about it. And that's when you start finding themes that may or may not have been the thing that the creator wanted you to pull. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why I've always liked those sorts of movies that, that make you think and make you talk. Because the artist, whether or not he set out to achieve something And give you this lesson from that movie, it still gets you talking. Yeah, you're still thinking about something that you may not have thought
2: of otherwise. Mm -hmm. That's that's a really good comparison because believe me, I've been playing played a lot of Far Cry this weekend. You are just kind of it. it, At some point, you realize this video game is an open world, and you're doing missions. Like, well, I couldn't stop. Like, I just couldn't stop playing it. I'm like, it's just like I'm going from point to point, and this is so good. But I did think I'm like. Am I is this giving me anything am I getting anything out of this? I've this is how like I feel about most open-world games right you just you go down this path and you're just like I'm just doing the same thing over and over but am I having a good time and the answer was yes Like I, I feel like there's enough progression I'm doing enough things and the world is opening enough to me that I'm like having a time I don't think I'm gonna be a better person <laughs> for putting the the 45 hours that I'm eventually gonna put into Far Cry yeah, but you probably could fly a helicopter now, though, right? <laughs> uh, to a degree, yeah, as long as do you, you got think missiles
3: right missiles and with, flares. With the amount of time that you all and myself have spent behind a controller in a
1: helicopter video game, mm-hmm. how good do you think you are at flying a helicopter? I've thought about this many times, Freddie. I'd be great at it. I'm absolutely sure, so, as long as somebody taught me the mechanics, which would should, maybe take an hour, yeah. I could do
3: it. It would be a, better than... Nothing. I mean, for well, sure, it, it
2: would be about as yeah. good as Trinity in The Matrix when she goes <laughs> downloading and then she immediately crashes into the side. of the <laughs> To be fair, an agent shot, but she was like, "What did trade for this? <laughs> shit, <laughs> we're going down, Neo." Oh, man, yeah.
0: well, uh, you want to look good doing it, I guess. D- uh, Nat, doing, Reed. Doing yeah. it. <laughs> Nat Reed, yeah. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Beachbody, uh, because if you're going to join a cult, as we've seen, you get shirtless a lot, and you better look great. (laughs) Ripped. Yeah. you show off those tats on your pecs if you don't got good pecs? It's (laughs) a PR issue. If you're not looking good, if you're not looking trim, people are going to think this cult's full of shit. You don't want that. No, you want that beach body, that cult body. <laughs> uh, so, Beach Body is sponsoring this podcast. I don't know podcast. If they want that in the ad reading. Uh, it's fine. It's lighthearted. It's it's a romp. It's pulp. We already <laughs> established that none of this matters. Uh, so thank you, Beach Body, for the sponsorship. Uh, they would like you to know that through Beach Body On Demand, which is their online service, you can get the best trainers, the best programs, and workout in your schedule. Uh, you get super, tra- they're calling them super trainers, which. Uh, having having gone through the the ropes with Sean T a couple times, yeah, I'd say it's a super trainer. They also have Shalene uh, Johnson, Tony Horton, and Autumn Calabrese. So all of the all the hot dudes and and dudettes you could ever hope for, <laughs> yelling at you and telling funny jokes <laughs> while you're trying to stretch out and and, and make it hurt so good. Uh, you can also work out on your schedule, which is something I like. If uh, if you got twenty minutes on a lunch break, you can get something done. If you got an hour after work, you can get something done. If you got an hour before work, you know, you can... I don't want to see endings. Come on, YouTube, trying to spoil me. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, but there's, there's a... You can always squeeze in some activity, and as, you know, as we're we're living and getting older, being active is, is important. It's important to squeeze it in whenever you can, as opposed to just sitting around. And, you can get a free trial to the entire platform, just by texting, uh, dude to 303030. That's a number, just six, six little digits. Just text dude to 303030. And you get a special free trial membership, so go ahead and check it out. It's a it's a really low effort low friction way to get get active get started down that path. Uh, they also have nutrition and basically all sorts of uh, all sorts of tools to help you revamp your lifestyle. So get that cult body for summer uh, mm-hmm. text dude to thirty thirty thirty. Thank you for the sponsorship Beach Body. And uh, we just we just saw our next special guest. Hold on. Let me let me ping him real quick. Is it Drew. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I saw you perk up. Yeah, because we saw saw a picture or a video (gasps) of Drew Holmes.
2: There he is. That's him. So handsome.
0: So uh, just a quick note before we invite Drew on, um, because I think it would be inconsistent with some of the things that at least I have called out about reviews in that I don't like the the point of calling Drew on is not for us to, to like point and laugh at reviews, especially since he made it. That would be pretty shitty. Uh, no, instead, we're just going to ask him about his process, the thinking he went through to make the game, and to kind of understand from the creators themselves what their intentions were with Far Cry Five and whether or not they think that they realized them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, even though I guess I'm I'm missing a good opportunity to uh, to rake some muck. Uh, I am going nah. to be. Uh, <laughs> Be classy as usual, about oh, Lawrence. Oh, thank you. What a favor. I'm a man.
2: hero every week. <laughs> you could have been gotcha, Lawrence. You know, done the gotcha, gotcha <laughs> journalism. Coming back.
3: Yeah, yeah, that William Randolph Hearst world. But no. no. Or, yeah, I was supposed
0: Look to gotcha, you. Freddy. I'm sorry, Freddy. Dude, I'd like to see you try. <laughs> I, I did, man. I proved you were an android living in Freddy's body, remember? That's right,
1: that's right. Freddy (laughs) doesn't remember that. Do you remember that that actually, Freddy?
3: Vaguely. Okay, that's what I thought. I I wipe my memory every three like I talked to so (laughs)
2: many other people and on so many other podcasts. My goal was to to yet
0: again prove that Freddy had been replaced by a living replicant that had (laughs) stolen his identity. By asking him personal questions about his own history that only Freddie would know. But I didn't have time.
3: <laughs> Instead, we're no, doing I this. Doing time. Oh, well. So he put uh, put together that VoIConf, so he just moved on. Yeah. <laughs> Man,
0: that new wave VoicConf was was intense. That's I love it. Too freaky. Within cells interlinked. Shit's oh, yeah. blinking eye. Hey, Drew.
4: Hello? Oh boy. Turn
0: him on. Oh, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Let me Here check. Levels. Hey, I think it's working. Alright, well, we've got with us Drew Holmes, a lead writer on Far Cry Five. Uh so we just had kind of a, a very artful discussion about the role of media and the, maybe even the responsibility of media. I guess, uh, what was, and, and surely you can understand that somebody might confuse the intention of the game, given stuff that's going on in today's climate, but what mm. was the climate like when you guys first started conceiving out the game and decided, yes, it's going to be about a religious cult in the American Midwest?
4: Uh, nowhere where is now. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think you know uh, the game really started to to take fruition. Uh, I, I want to say three four years ago. Uh, I came on the project just over two years ago now, and it's interesting. You know, when you, you sort of step into a, a project like this, in, in games writing, uh, it's often like um, you know the scene in Apollo thirteen where they're talking about the, the the round peg in the square hole. It's the box of stuff, and they're sort of going, "Here's what we have to. Here's what we have to sort of." Uh, work with a, a lot of games. Writing is is sort of coming into a situation where, uh, like on Far Cry Five, you know, Dan Hay, the creative director, pitched me. Here's what the setting's going to be. Here's uh, what the the general idea of what the the antagonist is going to be. Here's sort of what the player character is, and here's a rough idea of where we think we want the story to go. And it's a matter of of just sort of going. What is what is it that the game itself wants to be? You know, for me, it, it's always about Crafting narrative and characters that are in service to the game itself and what the player experience is supposed to be, and so you really just sort of have to 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 take that uh, by the horns and go, all right, you know, that you 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 go, okay, this is this is the story that I think we want to tell. These are the characters I think we want to talk about. And thematically, this is the things that we can touch on, but ultimately, you know, this isn't the this isn't the uh, the, the the brainchild of, of one. Or, or two or three people it's you know uh, a game like this with, you know a thousand people working on it everyone sort of has ownership of it and you're it's about trying to say what is it that we can we can bring together to to make it as fun experience as possible and and, and, and keep it with that 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 far cry identity in in itself
0: hmm yeah the uh, it's it's the game's pretty fascinating i I really vibe on it because I love just Kind of tonally, how disparate it can be. Um, For sure, I I personally likened it to like a Verhoeven movie, uh, Total Recall, you know, <laughs> Robocop, where it it glances off of very serious topics, but always in like a tongue in mm. cheek satirical way, mm. with that generous dash of like hyper violence and and sexuality, which in a lot of ways is also mirroring American culture in a in a very satirical way. Was that was that the goal? Was that the intent, or did it just kind of wind up there out of a bunch of or a bunch of connected but dissimilar ideas being uh, thrown together.
4: I think it it's part of you know we we always talked about what is the Far Cry sort of franchise DNA and and, and when you talk about tone and you talk about characters it, it always when you you look back at, at what's been done three four Blood Dragon it, it it is that that sort of mashup of there's you know especially in three and four there was the dark and serious. Tone of the of the the main story, but at the same time, you have side quest characters that are not really involved in that at all, and are a bit more over the top. And then the gameplay itself, that that Far Cry anecdote factory. I mean, you're seeing it now with all the, the the videos and the gifs that are going up. It's just there's insanity that is inherent in playing the game, and so it's a matter of okay, you you can't ignore all of that. Over the top ridiculousness that that happens in a far cry game, you you can't sort of push it to the side and go no 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 this this needs to be a very very serious story. I think it's about identifying clearly the who the bad guys are and sort of what the context is for the player to be in this situation. Um, and at the same time, going yeah, but if everything is so dire and so uh, bleak, I don't know that if you you're going to want to spend as much time. Goofing around as as what we're seeing people do now So I think it's it's a just it's a it's a blend of saying here's a whole bunch of stuff for you to experience It's sort of like a toy box, right? Here's characters like zip Here's characters like Herc at the same time. There's characters like Jess and Grace, you know, and they sort of they they, they Go across that spectrum of tone and it's we're letting the players go like you know, go dive in and sort of feel experience what feels right you know, have some fun, you know, go on some dark missions, but it's, it's more about, I think from our perspective on the narrative side, it was about how do we give up less control and sort of less handholding and just go, uh, go have fun. Just, just go <laughs> do whatever you want to do.
2: Uh, I got a quick question for you, Drew. Adam here. Hey, mm. hey, how's um, so, buddy? hey, uh, so was it kind of a challenge injecting any sort of levity into something like a cult? <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, I, Yes, but I, I think that's why those stories probably don't really cross over. Um, I, I think that there's there's sort of we, you kind of build the, the narrative structure of the game. For us, it was sort of like a pyramid where so much of the the overarching story sort of sat at the top where you had the characters like Joseph and, and Jacob and, and John and and this is this is really what's what's driving you through the the saving of your friends you know, all, all what, what you consider sort of the main story even though it can be played really in any order and it's got to be able to be sort of switched out on the fly um and it it was more about making sure that there was a a separation from that and the open world aspects itself and you know i i think you know you 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 have ideas on how you think you can execute on it and and you try it and you know, it, it's, it's successful uh, sometimes, and it, it's not at other times. You, you, you go, okay, what did we learn from the, the creation of that and how we put it all together? And go, okay, well, what can we do next time to sort of make it, it feel, I guess, more cohesive? Um, but at the same time, you don't wanna lose that, that magic that, that people are sort of diving and experiencing now where it just is that, that chaos factor that, that's creating so much fun.
1: Hey, uh, hey, Drew. This is Bruce here. I got a, one more question for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, how often did the context of real-world events come up when you guys were developing this game? Because I'm sure you kept seeing the news and being yeah. like, "Do we tackle this, or do we just leave it alone?"
4: Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, we we talk about it just as much as everyone else, you know, talks about it in, in your day-to-day life. It's sort of it's it's inescapable. But I think for us, it you there's a there's a there's a line you have to walk I think in terms of okay do you say this is the story that we're we're, we're uh, making these are the characters that we want to chase and, and especially for us this sort of the, the religious symbolism and 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 the and the path that that the story takes uh, you know I don't want to get into spoilers with, with the ending for people that sort of haven't gone through it all but there's a very deliberate structure to what is happening in the events in the game and you go okay, do you pull away from that and and start to chase real life at the risk of everything that we we had sort of been working on unraveling, or do you go okay well we can't we have to ignore it at all and just really sort of focus on the story? But at the same time, when you're saying okay the game is set in present day America and it it, it sort of feels oblivious to everything, then you then as you're playing you're, you you really sort of taken out of the experience because you're like well this is this isn't even close to to reality so. It was it was a constant debate of, of how much is injected, and I, I think that when you sort of when you dig into the characters themselves that you meet in the world, they have sort of much more of, of, of an insight and opinions and, and, and a perspective on what's going on in the world itself, as opposed to the central plot that is that 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 we were constructing. Um, and at the same time, too. You know, as that as that story is unfolding, um, the the radio itself and sort of the news broadcasts that are happening sort of starts to tell a tale that that feels familiar, and then sort of starts to go a little bit darker, and, and I think foreshadows a lot of of what happens uh, towards the end of the game.
0: That makes sense. So uh, this is this is going to be a question that probably has no clean answer, but when <laughs> yeah. When it comes to, to writing game narrative, um, mm. it, it sounds pretty clear that, that you, write, you write in a way that services the product. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of reviews talk about a game as though it's, it's an entity that has sentience and volition. Like, mm-hmm. this thing could have done that and it chose not to or whatever. When it comes to you personally, um, when, you're, when you're working on a product like this, a huge sprawling game that you know involves hundreds and hundreds of people,
4: mm-hmm.
0: how much room is there for what you would like the game to be Versus the product that needs to be made, what's the balance there?
4: Ah, oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, it, it's it's tough in just in, in the fact, like you're saying, that because there are so many people, and 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 I think what happens is, especially in a game of this size, and I was just thinking about this the other day, where you go, okay, with this many people, you can you can have you know this sort of single-minded auteur vision that sort of pushes off the authorship of so many designers and artists uh, that, are, that are building things in, in the game, and, and it can work, but I, I don't know that, that everyone working on it feels a part of the team or, fe- or feels heard. I, I think that what's really fun, looking back at, at the construction of this game and sort of seeing uh, the response to it and, and sort of understanding the, the, the team endeavor, it's, there's so much in the game that I think because we, we, we let people that are, that are putting stuff in the game really feel like they are, they are driving um, their, their own sort of vision from the things like the prepper stashes to, to the, the design of the missions themselves. It's, I think that, that it's more about going, oh, okay, on the narrative side, what is it that you want to do that's going to be fun to play what do you want to do that you think is going to be engaging for the player? And we make sure that it fits within the the, the context that we're setting, and and, and we try and, and and shift the narrative to make sure that you know it, it's you know a, a mission like the, the the Widowmaker, right, where it's it's about being able to jump into a big uh, into a big rig with machine guns on the front and just tear down the highway with with Barracuda plane, and it's it's a blast, right? In reality, does it make sense? No, but, you know, it's it's about okay. Well, well, can we can we do enough with Mary May and the character and the setup and the sort of history, to to at least give some understanding for why you're going to do something um, this absurd and fun? So I, I think that. If if you were to sort of take away some of the ability for those designers and those writers to, and, and you know the, all the people on the writing team and the artists to go no 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 we're only making the thing that that you know me and and, and Dan and JS and, and, and Pat want want to make then you you don't get as much love and investment and surprise uh, in the game itself I'm I'm sitting at home playing it you know and I there's still so much stuff in the game that I go oh shit I had no idea. That this existed, and it's really, really well done, and it's because you know whoever it was that that was working on it felt invested and felt ownership of it. And so, and so, I, I think that when you have a game of this scale, you just have to lean into um all of the different people that are that are that are bringing it together. Um, and I think that's that's what makes it special. And I, you know, I I understand you know the 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 arguments against, and, and I see where people are coming from, but. For for me, I'd, I'd rather have, you know, I'd rather have an experience that that, that, that people are are having fun with and they're they sort of, they're they're, they have a clear attachment to. Um, and you know, we, we knew that on the narrative side because we we wanted to go much more nonlinear, You know, we that it was going to it was going to be harder to sort of track that central story because you're able to go anywhere and do anything. Uh, but I think in, at the end of the day, it serves the game itself. It serves the the player experience. So I, I feel like it's worth it. Agreed.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys have any, any more questions? No. I just I mean it, it's interesting to hear that because you know again it's it's I think it's probably a unique challenge. Not only again in an open world environment and also the fifth entry in an established mm-hmm. franchise. There's definitely fences you got to be. Playing within and then I guess my question is within those. Is there something that you identified that you're like, you know what? We really nailed this something that you were like particularly proud of uh, in in this one
4: uh, There's a lot I, I think I'm, I'm really proud of, of the opening I, I think yeah, that yeah. the I, I think because because it is the opening because the the you you are you, you still do have the some of the the constraints the 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 more um, traditional narrative constraints uh, on you. So we were in we were in in lockstep from the design, the 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 artists, the, the guys lighting it. Uh, we all knew exactly the sort of experience that that we wanted to deliver, and I, I think we definitely nailed that opening. And then from then on, you know, the game really opens up, and you go, okay, you know, with, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to work. There's going to be a lot of stuff that sort of feels what, like what's happening and why, um, but it's 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 because it's sort of an empowering the player. And I, and I think that, um, I think the ending, while, you know, it's, it, it's polarizing. Um, I, I think that it is an ending that we knew that we wanted to execute on from the beginning. And we kind of tell you how it's going to end from the very start. Um, and, and we don't really waver off that. So I am proud of, uh, uh of how we executed, um, the ending and then the characters themselves too. I think that, the uh, you look at the past Far Cry games, and there's, you know, maybe you can count on one hand the sort of characters that that stick with you and and, and uh, resonate. But I, I think that in each region, there, you know, there there are so many characters that I think either on the the humor side or on the more sort of emotional side. I think that uh, Far Cry Five stands out beyond just the villains. It it really is everyone that you you meet and and you you, you deal with. Cool,
0: awesome. All right, well, Drew, thanks for calling in, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah, man. And yeah, I'm having Oof. I'm having a blast with the game so far. I, the things you're saying about the ending have got me got me real titillated. Now I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my time because I'm really. Is, so you know, spoiler free or anything? Is there is there like basically Endgame plus where you see the ending and then you're just let back in the world to do whatever? Or would that the narrative you, kind of precludes that from happening.
4: There, no, there. You you do have the ability once everything's all said and done to sort of go back into the world and and, and sort of clean up, you know, whatever you you sort of left behind. And there's a, a ton of stuff in, in the game that, you know, each region. You, know, I mean, you're left with so many missions and so many other sort of side quests uh, to go on and clear. So yeah, you can sort of hop back in, but but the story itself uh, is is very sort of uh, clear cut. I would say as to as to what happens. Cool. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, hey, thanks again, uh, Drew. Um, good work. And yeah, uh, <laughs> no,
4: thanks, man.
2: Guess we'll see you around, man. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> it.
4: Yeah, good to talk. Yeah. Bye. bye. Take care, guys.
2: Uh, I, guess, I guess did we ever introduce him? Said that was the lead writer, of
1: Far Cry. I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. it's it's so nice to hear from someone who has been living this project for years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. to to hear his point of view, it really is because we don't ever get to hear that.
3: I think that's and also it's funny you mentioned that because I think I was I was actually thinking about when he was talking. That video games have this unique challenge where I think we get authorial intent in very very few cases movies you get it because it's like the director and there's right. a whole mm-hmm. there's whole auteur theory with with less, film
2: less moving pieces
3: yeah and then like and maybe Kojima's the only dude on the video game side where he can oh, put yeah. something out and then right. when it comes out you'll notice the discourse around mm-hmm. it, it's like it wasn't it at least you know not as much even to Far Cry it wasn't like hey this is a you know something about you know Middle Eastern politics or whatever it was just like well this is Kojima's this was crazy, and this was him. So we were more willing to go to, like, Metal Gear and being like, this is just a Kojima thing. And right. and, and I realized that, like, Far Cry doesn't have, like, that central figure that you can point to and be like, this is an authorial intent and I wonder if like, for human beings in general, if it's just like, we have more difficulty assigning that Mm -hmm. to group entities or group projects as opposed to just like an individual, that might just be
2: us. For every Hmm. promo video we see, we don't see the 25 meetings that these guys had where like, Shanghai linked up with Quebec and Quebec met up with the San Francisco office and no one knew what anyone was talking about, and they probably said like, "And we need to ship 25 million units by this quarter, and hope everything's going right." And they're like, "Shit, uh, we just need to make a game." Like they're still just trying to make it a fun thing. So like, I, it's it's we always talk about this, but it's like we're we're so lucky that all we get is the final product, and that we don't have to live through what I think would be a living hell, uh, <laughs> making a video game. I I don't know how people do it and how they make it and how they can live with it, like. How I, I'm kind of surprised that anyone who worked on this game would go back and play it. Because mm-hmm. I, I have friends who have been game testers and game developers and stuff, and they're just like, I don't want to touch it when yeah. I'm done with it. Yeah. It's and I'm
1: I'm it's refreshing to hear someone who's like, oh, I'm having a good time with well, it, and I worked on it. I think he spoke to the fact that he was like, we want everybody to be invested. Mm-hmm. And that strikes me as something that is a very Ubisoft philosophy because mm. uh, their games are so huge. And obviously, there isn't one person that knows every single thing about the game, mm-hmm. and so they have a team of hundreds, probably thousands of people working on these games. And if they're all invested, they're all going to create something pretty cool and fun mm-hmm. uh, that that Drew can discover from the other three hundred artists that mm-hmm. that made the game that he didn't know that they did this one thing. I, I think that's really that's kind of a really cool uh, creative collaboration process.
2: Yeah, totally. I guess. Oh, sorry, just to touch on that real quick. I you you often forget about the guy who spent. Thousands of hours modeling a thing that's in the game that you just walk by. Yeah, you don't think about it, and then we we attach ourselves to the egomaniacs like Kojima, where he's like, "Look what I did!" It's like you didn't do that. Like you <laughs> you yelled at a guy until he was about to die of malnutrition yeah. <laughs> until he did it, and you're like, the "Look how jobs. yeah, look yeah. look at how Snake." touches his lower back as it aches. <laughs> it's like, right, and then he's immediately rolling right after that, but whatever. Okay, cool. You, your, your vision was solid. No, I, I love Kojima anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you
3: don't get that. I mean, nowadays, especially with AAA games nowadays, that idea of single authorial intent right? just doesn't, exists anymore right you mm-hmm. had that maybe in the original doom days and the original like duke Nukem days. yeah like yeah. john carmack teams yeah, of like yeah. six
0: or seven where one person can speak to everyone in the yeah. room see this is what we're doing yeah. go,
3: mobile games though still killing that authorial intent <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where i go for true gaming actually. yeah who, real yeah. games yeah. are on mobile. who directed <laughs> <No>. candy crush <laughs> <laughs> the visionary the yeah. MacArthur genius grant award <laughs> game director yeah exactly yeah mobile uh, games is where it's i don't at. know
2: investors <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, a, investors board, a board room of people said like the First ever boardroom uh, design game.
3: Yeah,
0: that's the weird thing. In casinos, yeah.
3: Sometimes I think,
0: sometimes I think people, especially when they're in maybe in critical circles for long enough, kind of lose track of the fact that this is all commercial media. There is yeah. no endowment for the arts funding this stuff, and the the true visionaries are the ones that move fucking units. Whether yeah. that's the person who designed Candy Crush, See,
3: to me, the person who designed Metal Gear. And to me, that what's to me that what, what why I love Kojima so much is because there's a dude who is doing that. And then still somehow, you know, through whatever amalgamation of group, you know, like psychology or coercion or what have you, still manages to get like a tone. Well, that's That's insane. So that's that Mm -hmm. that that can survive that process. I'm
1: glad you say that because that's always been sort of my goal when it comes to content that I'm making. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make a like one, you know, single vision. I want everybody to be involved, everybody to buy in. But at the same time. Like Lawrence said, we got to move units. Yeah. It, yeah. People got to watch our stuff. Yeah. And there is there's a, a a very fine line between you're creating something for the masses and then also something that you can be proud of and that's innovative. Mm-hmm. Um and that's extremely hard yeah, to do. Yeah. If you can hit that, that's like Man, it's so hard to do. Very,
3: very difficult. Yeah, indeed.
1: Well, speaking of difficulty.
0: You know what's difficult? Looking good. <laughs> Uh,
3: <laughs> Dude, those transitions! Yeah, he's a master. <laughs> so good. Sort of. I mean, all oh I did was just say Sorry, the same thing again. My, I'm just gonna take some notes real quick. <laughs> no, I, just,
0: I, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the flattery, but uh, if you wanna if you wanna flatter yourself,
1: oh get, my gosh, stop it!
0: Get yourself a suit from Black Tux. Uh, I did recently for a special little thing called Let's Play Spring Break. Uh, it was actually, actually perfect timing.
3: What's up? Yeah, use black tux for a wedding. There wedding. you go. Yeah.
0: I use black tux to host a, yeah, he a drinking great. game. He looks I... great. That tux
1: looked really good. Look at yeah. this.
0: Yes. Got a red velvet tux. Looking good. Try it comes with everything, come too. It had the shirt, had the bow tie, had the mm. shoes, socks. Pocket square. Pocket square. You pulled that yeah. thing
2: out of nowhere. We're like, where did that come from?
0: <laughs> I know. is <laughs> one of the big-ass boxes I was looking around all weekend. You had a lot of boxes.
3: Yeah. Well-fitted, by the way. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Yeah, you, you uh, well, to that point, uh, Black Tux is a great service. You just send them all your measurements, and it'll actually store it on file. So if you do it once, basically, you're set. You can just order as many Tux as you want. Everyone just blasted well, at, at this was. point. Yeah, <laughs> pretty sure. I was There's gone. only one good-looking guy in that room. <laughs> wow. That's right. I. Uh, it was all my plan. If you want to, yeah, if you want to be the best-looking guy in the room. So uh, no, it's 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 way easier than renting at a like a mall kiosk or whatever. Provide. I mean, you might have to go to one to get your measurements first, or you can take them yourself if you get a tape measure. Um, plenty but you of YouTube just,
3: videos teach you how to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can do it yourself, man. You don't. You don't need some old man cupping your balls anymore. <laughs> um, although, you if you're into that, we go for it. <laughs> Uh, they say uh, after you're ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event, and it's got free at-home try-on. So you can try it on if anything's wrong. There's time to send it back, get it exchanged, or just take it to someone and have it altered. Uh, they're, they're down with that too. And the box actually comes with a, a prepaid mailer under the label. So when it's time to return, you just peel off the label, take it back to FedEx, and you're all set to go. Uh, and you can get $20 off your purchase using our promo code. Uh, so that's blacktux.com soup. Once more, that's blacktux.com slash soup. If you have a formal event or if you just want to look extra snappy for a <laughs> uh, Nintendo 64 drinking game that you came up with. Well, that's what it was, Freddie. You missed uh, it. Yeah. Blacktux.com slash soup for $20 off your rental. It's uh, it's cheaper than buying and it's easier than going to a store yeah. like most things on the internet. So thank you, Black Tux, <laughs> for your sponsorship. Uh, all right. I got uh, – speaking of cults, um, <laughs> I, I, is this me? Yeah, it is, Bruce. I got something for you to read, bud. Right. Uh, hold on, let me like, gotta dial up my this. shit here. There it is. Ah, uh, there it is. All right. Um, <laughs> is well, be, well, Bruce Reed. Yeah, where oh, Bruce excellent. reads something. It's very. It took me a long time to come up with the name. So, um, <laughs> those that are familiar with Dude Soup lore, uh, of which there was a lot. Uh, We'll remember the very first Bruce Reads was about, like, some crazy Tumblr shit. Bruce, I don't know if you remember. I barely... I don't remember. Well, I found the article (laughs) describing the events behind that. Whoa. So there was a comment that basically went a little nuts on it. You know what? We need to actually... Let's... Oh, I've
1: heard about this. I've heard about this. (laughs) This is amazing. Where do you want me to start? This is amazing. There's a
0: lot here. It's Uh, so good. Here, we'll just leave... Just read this page here. Oh, this it's, is so this is, page? Okay. it's so good. The whole page? It's so good. This is sorry, sorry, read that so right? good. Did you say
1: hiv living? Oh, it's so good. HIV so, living. It's so good. I, mean, so, I prefer you, hiv living. You can call it hiv living. Yeah. Hiv it's look, like modern art. Is it hive living? Yeah. Oh, hiv living. I mean, it's HIV living. But oh, what happened with- Okay, so- This is from fan lore. The title of this document is What happened with HIV living? Or mm-hmm. hiv living. On or around October 26 2017, news of Hamilton, wink, started spreading around- <laughs> Spreading among fans on Tumblr and Twitter. Over the next few days, the news spread so widely that several of the accounts that initially shared the news were subsequently deleted. The wank involved a fundraising sca- scam, sock puppeting, cyberbullying, and alleged mermaid cannibalism.
3: It's the best so good.
1: What happened with Hib living was the, <laughs> the title fuck? of the initial Tumblr post by Digoxin Perperpia. <laughs> right, here's some background. In 2016, one or more Hamilton fans began the Hiv Living Tumblr to raise issues about living with HIV-positive status. It was recommended by many on Tumblr and Twitter as a good source of info on HIV-positive issues. It was thought to be run by two people. Isra, a non-binary Chinese-Pakistani human-trafficking survivor living in India, and the other, Naj, a U.S.-born lesbian of color also living in India. Both the fans stated that they were HIV-positive and both had main blogs of their own. Together... They ran the Hiv Living Tumblr for over a year until Naj linked to her Cash.me fundraiser asking for help for medical expenses. Digoxin Perperpia, another Hamilton fan, <laughs> realized that the owner of the Cash.me account was most likely US-based and confronted her about it, because they were <gasps> supposed to be an India-based. After much back and forth, Naj, one of the moderators of HIV Living confessed that she was a US college student who lied about her identities and HIV status. Both Naj and Isra did not exist (gasps) She did not have HIV And she did not live in India She then posted a confession on the Hid Living Tumblr And tagged it Hamilton (laughs) 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 She also promised to repay people She had defrauded on her Cash.me account To date, no proof has been given That she reimbursed anyone (laughs) Some fans believe that she created these identities Quote, to justify themselves Writing an HIV-centric modern high school AU Hamilton fan fiction they then posited themselves as an expert on HIV for discourse credentials, end quote. Later, some fans claimed out that Purpurpia had been forced to delete her Hamilton RP, RPF cannibal <laughs> Hold on a minute, I gotta read the sentence again. <laughs> You'll get, you get a clean one. Oh I gotta read the sentence what again. The You'll get uh, a clean one, It's cool. All right, later, some fans claimed that Purpurpia had been forced to delete her Hamilton RPF cannibal mermaid fic from AO3 by Hiv Living and her followers, and that this may have been part of the motivation for her investigation. Uh, Others disagreed with this assessment. As of October 20th, 2017, Digox and Pia's Tumblr account and AO3 account have been deleted. Members from Fail (laughs) she's reported that some of their participants had noted inconsistencies in blue sky sapphic statements and posts as early as October 2016. They also noted a pattern of claiming harassment by other fans based on their HIV positive status, along with frequent call-out posts of her own against other fans based on a wide range of social justice issues. What do you want me to read to finish this up, Lawrence? Uh, this so there's is amazing. Could you imagine, yeah.
3: if you imagine you got a time machine and you went to Tim Berners-Lee, creator of the internet, and you, oh, yeah. and you just read that to him, <laughs> do you think he would look at you and be like,
2: internet's canceled? Yeah. He goes to the wall and unplugs it?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> no. This is insane. Okay, so I guess, I guess to summarize, so because...
0: Good. Uh, That that may have been a little confusing. There is a there is a who is who I guess it should be who's whom section, but whatever Uh, This this should this should straighten it all out. Uh, Just read that middle section. The who's who section. Okay. Yeah, please So
1: who are the roles here in what I just read? Uh, Naj, Alilus Bean, and Isra, Blue Sky Sapphic, do not exist. They are sock puppets of the same person who has confirmed that she created these identities. Mm. Hiv Living is the name of the Tumblr created by Naj and Isra, who are fake, that focused on HIV positive education, activism, and social justice. Uh, quote, to scale the blue sky to, to scale the blue sky end quote, is the Hamilton High School AU RPF fic written by Isra, blue sky sapphic. It doesn't exist. It is 170,000 long I would assume words, and features Lynn manuel Miranda as a high school student living with HIV in the 1980s. The story appeared on Reckless, including a list of works written by writers of color. It has since been deleted from AO3. Oh. No. Uh, Digox and purpur a Hamilton fan who investigated and uncovered the sock puppets. Oh, fuck me. Who uncovered the sock puppets and confronted the creator. Digox and purpur may have also written a Hamilton RPF story where the characters are cannibal mermaids. This story, which may have posted to AO3, has not been identified by name and may have been deleted earlier in response to call-out posts by Hib Living and their followers. Amen. Oh, so good. Wow, Just shut kisses all around. <laughs> so good. So much happening there. Okay. That was so, uh, that's, that's exhausting. Naj and Ezra are fake. Yeah.
0: They're sock puppets. They're sock puppets of a... From a college girl who was just like,
1: so, I,
0: I need the clout to be able to talk about living with HIV, but right. I don't have it. Right. So what's the perfect person to be my mouthpiece? A uh, woman of color, lesbian. Who lives mm-hmm. in India.
2: In India with HIV. Two of them so uh, <laughs> real, real quick is, is sock puppet code for something or are we talking about like the, the puppets
0: well It's a, it's like a digital term meaning you've invented a persona that you're talking through and pretending to it's be like an alias
2: gotcha basically. Okay, cuz in my mind. I was imagining syphil and ollie oh. while this is all happening yeah. I was like so people were involved invest- with
3: that reference, bro. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Well, they were they came back to machinima for like a whole day uh, <laughs> My
0: fa- that was such a magic window of like 2013-14 when like real produced media was starting to hit on YouTube, and mm. and no offense, and Ollie but there was a wave of like, what what about 2011, 2010 stuff? Remember that? Also, and there was a whole wave of trying to bring it all back.
2: And it all just uh, name another famous sock puppet, Freddy, the little lamb guy
1: the from lamb uh, guy. yeah, Lamb she, Chop,
2: Lamb Chop man. That's the only one. Oh, sorry. Oh, you.
3: Oh, sorry. You're going to move the goalpost there for me. <laughs> Come on. Let me see here. Just quick question here. Oh, yes, sir. Sure. Y'all feel old yet? Yeah. Like, you read that never and just like, man, that's... I, yeah. you, know,
1: you know what, though? I, I do feel old, but I also get excited. Hey. Yeah, because yeah. I'm really excited about this drama yeah. that I get to read into and find out about. It's basically mm. like discovering an entirely new television show that you didn't that's know That's true. Existed.
3: A new form of entertainment <laughs> that had never even yeah. existed that you could not even <laughs> conceive of. I
2: love it. I love it. Dude, the Fandango... Uh, bags oh, the, the count? Bag puppets count? Oh, count? I don't think so. I don't know. So,
3: you like to show like you name a famous sock puppet. How about motherfucking Kermit the Frog?
2: Would oh, you call yeah. that a sock? That's nah, a muppet. I don't know. Nah, That's I don't half know. mop and yeah. half puppet. Is it a, it's a sock, though, probably, right? I mean, like, I've seen some pretty fucked up feet, so. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like, I guess, like a cock sleeve or something. I'm sure someone's. Why aren't people making. I mean, uh... Mr. Henson had to try.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, he definitely. Well, we know the guy that did Elmo. <laughs> For, for certain oh, oh, man. Hey. for certain hey. just, man. Hey. people need to make uh, condom
0: puppets stop snorting them and oh, start draw a little face on there all right let's uh <laughs> got just enough <laughs> Hello, time speaking. to to travel is in the internet it's was pretty it hard bad. Time? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I made a made a logo and everything Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. whoa I know. moved a little bit I know I'm getting really good at this I learned uh keyframes hey <laughs> all <laughs> right uh well, let me make sure I click all that stuff off Okay, so uh, Freddie, yeah, well, you may or may not remember. So there's a little, there's a battle of the internet basically that takes place. You will love this on the internet where we uh, basically, I pick two things that I think embody the beauty of the internet. Mm, uh, Whether mm, that's mm. something beautiful through its collaboration or something odd, like there's a whole community of people that found something together around. mm, mm. So just basically stuff that we would never get to see, but for the glory of the internet. Uh, The current reigning champion is the Flopatron, which is, is. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh,
3: it does music and it's program hardware programming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go, awesome. you got it. It's off. Uh, yeah, so this hard is drives a...
2: and stuff. <laughs> Beautiful. What's us take, take on me? me yeah. It's uh, a Hall- Halliday's favorite song from Ready Player One, <laughs> <laughs> and therefore it is my favorite song. Be your own person, Parzival, You dumbass. I had to turn the. I'm gonna
0: capture thing way up so we could hear the call in. So apologies live stream if you're getting blown out a little bit. I'm trying. Whatever to they enjoy it, on.
1: they love a Flapatron. Okay, but yeah, it the beautiful.
0: So the the chorus is the real the real shining part. So uh in contrast to that is this gentleman. He's kind of a uh, kind of known in internet circles. <laughs> I can make anybody, anybody want, want to, to go, go vegan. vegan. Yeah, he uh All John right. Su- John Sukars is a very sex very sensual vegan. Ooh. Um, oh he has a lot of videos about being a vegan. A lot of thrusting. Mm-hmm.
2: Goodbye, horses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, that's the song from uh, Songs <laughs> that's of Lambs, Lambs and he's right? got his dick tucked in yeah. his legs. So, yeah, here we have a video of John uh, doing his sexy dance in his garage. Garage, he's, definitely. has put up what appears to be some kind of vinyl tape on the
1: wall. It says vegan <laughs> as fuck. Oh, there is some oh, editing. I wonder if with an editing. Cool. cool.
3: I do like the fact that he has, he Garage? was like, well, well yeah. <laughs> The best part about this is he had to pull his car back for it. What kind of car, what kind of car do you think this dude drives?
1: A uh, 93 Toyota
2: Camry.
3: Oh, I was going to go Datsun, but I could see a Camry. Oh, Remember
2: that, that one Honda oh, EV that came out in like the late 90s <laughs> that the, the scientist drives in the day after tomorrow? Oh, what, what's the name? Elliot drove that car. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's like a, like a Honda, Is a Honda
1: EV. It's like Insight. I think it Oh, is. the Insight, <laughs> yes. <yeah, laughs> yeah. I
2: think he has a used Insight or that Doritos car. Or, not sorry, Doritos, the uh, the Domino's delivery car with the.
3: It <laughs> can hold 80 pizzas. It's a wood panel PT Cruiser, guys. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh like <laughs> Love these beats. <laughs> yeah. He's got can you find a remix of this? He's got some dope
0: hooks. Yeah, is there a remix. remix? Might be.
3: Is there, like, is there one where Drake does some bars? <laughs> Waiting on that collab, bro.
0: This is the vegan bod you could have. Just, man,
3: he spends a lot of time just gyrating and thrusting.
0: He's actually pretty good
2: at it. He's grabbing his I mean, dick Clearly,
0: he's doing it about forty percent less closer. than the Joker from Suicide Squad. So uh, I don't, I don't know if I should constrain it to just this video because he has other ones where he is a lot less tasteful. And his, less tasteful. I like to, Yeah,
3: I'd like to take umbrage with the fact that it's sitting at about fifty percent like dislike, dislike ratio. That's yeah. that's some bullshit.
1: That's fair. Right. This yeah, was back I in 2011, though, where the internet hadn't transcended yet.
0: Yeah, uh, let's see here. Oh boy, when did
2: he transcend? <sighs> he he love this VHS
3: aesthetic. Yeah,
2: he now mm,
1: yeah, he leans I don't know into if it's the vegan ve- aesthetic.
0: He goes <laughs> into the vegan thing real hard. There's a part where he's just basically like leaning right into the microphone and ASMR telling you how he's going to eat you out with his vegan mouth. Do it. Whoa. I'm trying to find it.
3: Maybe he might have. Check under your favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Recently bookmarked as best video ever. Use this. Oh, Sort by most played personal account. (laughs) (laughs) Just look at your history. I don't want to show us your history. That might be
2: embarrassing.
0: I can't do that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, a vegan's perspective, a vegan's on, the perspective of, of the, on the killing
3: of Osama bin Laden. All right. Well, wow. Let's well, see what he's got that. to say. Okay. Um,
0: there's a couple of ways he could go with this. He also has the hit song, Go Vegan, you fi- fucking prick. Hit, wow. hit song.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, people wow. like to be yelled at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Divorce your carnist husband. Oh, yeah. Carnist? Yeah, most of his songs are about how he should get to have Although, sex because he's vegan. Just in
3: case this song gets me shot... It's been very nice knowing all of you. <laughs> He's up front about it. Are you tired of watching your husbands eat animals? <laughs>
2: cool. Are you tired of fondling an animal exploiter's genitals? Okay, so didn't my see question that rhyme didn't see that is, rhyme is, coming. What is he doing with the internet that someone couldn't do with a uh, like a? A <laughs> zine.
1: Well, Azeen? I don't, I don't know that a would have follow to... this, dude. I'm sure he does. He must.
3: Well, no, these are all 2011, bro. These yeah, are actually. When was his most recent video? He got shot. Video? He's right. dead.
2: He may be when dead. Was <laughs> most
3: video? One, one month ago. One month ago. ago. ASMR. Hey, hold on. He's rebranding himself. He's he's clearly branching out. Well, there's so, a veganism know? interview
0: from four months ago, but vegan rap with W R A P. Is that the one with Kendrick Lamar? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll, let's
2: click ahead. Okay, and see. I don't know. Steve Wynn's a, a vegan, you know. He's pretty cool. Steve Wynn is. The yeah, he's, he's also sexually active. Sexually molested
1: <laughs> a bunch of old women. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what? I have no
1: idea. These are all the girls.
2: All his girlfriends. Oh, I think so. Yeah. He, I thought it was just a collection of like all the women he bangs. That's cool. I mean, so he got a smartphone at some point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Shooting vertical video.
2: Yeah. you got to get this guy on. No. Uh, I don't know if we have to. You have to. You need to get him off. That's what he needs right now because yeah. he's got vegan blue balls. I mean, the his camera
3: the looks meat pretty back up. One of his lines is, the meat man's coming every night in yeah, my dreams. I saw that. I'm just saying, man, I think your, your theory, your prevailing theory may be right here. The, the meat man cometh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <All right. laughs>
2: Okay. Okay. It's time to vote. Yeah, um, I'm sick to my
0: stomach. I know. <laughs> All right, uh, Bruce Flopatron or John?
1: Flopatron. All he's right. too angry.
0: I'll clear. I'll 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 let you have the anchoring vote, perhaps. Adam, uh, Flopatron or John? Give him my old buddy Floppy. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, that means it's a lame duck vote. Uh, well, who do you uh, have, uh, Freddie, Who you who you throwing about. For Educational that on? purposes, I want to know. What yeah. <sighs> you.
3: you know what? Sometimes the abyss gazes back, and the abyss does gaze back in the form of vegan rap. So I'm gonna go with John here. Because All right I'm, right, I'm drawn to that darkness. I'm a Far Cry Two boy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's tight. That's
0: tight. Okay, Floppatron Two One still takes it though. floppatron has got a good run going. It's good.
2: Real it's good, good run.
1: I like it. Floppatron's positive. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a it's tri- '80s. And that got that nostalgia. It's a triumph of the human spirit.
2: I'll, I'll tell you this though: the story Bruce read. That destroys Flop Patrol. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. I, yeah. I almost thought that was going to be your net and like it should be. <laughs> that is, like, yeah, secret be. secret there's stash. There's yeah. Here's the thing: <laughs> if if the internet didn't exist, he would just be on public access doing yeah, the true. same That's thing. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, taking yeah. off his clothes Nobody again? would watch him. Oh wait, right. Still got those moves though. Okay.
3: Yeah. yeah. You can see it. He's like chomping at the bit to thrust them, th- thrust them hips. Of yeah. course, he loves it is. this. Oh, there it is. Don't,
2: don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad YouTube has brought public access to the masses. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But nothing he's doing is. I feel like he's using the internet to its fullest.
3: <laughs> really into people going.
1: He does love vegan. No.
3: <laughs> you think he
2: eats meat? I'm.
3: <laughs> Can I you mean, imagine
1: if you saw John out in public and then he ate some meat? Just staking it out. Oh my god! I'll tell you what he At eats. At the end of his career. He eats
2: a meat wallet, he eats a roast beef sandwich, uh. and some meat curtains. Uh. Uh. <laughs> uh
0: Yeah, I really wish I could find that video, but it was so gross. Like the camera, was, <laughs> the camera was right up on his mouth and you could see like all the ropes of saliva every time uh. he opened his mouth. Uh. I, I mean,
2: ladies, if you want hummus on your clit, call that man. <laughs> Disgusting. I'll <laughs> dive in there with gusto. <sighs> Just a little bit sucking his teeth. <laughs> oh, Shit. All right. Well, hey, we got some plugs. Got some plugs. <laughs> a lot going around the Rooster Teeth family.
0: Um, we got uh, Rooster, or we got Funhouse Theater mode. That's still happening. We got a new trailer for you. Let's check that out. Oh, the trailer? Yeah. What,
2: what this young adolescent is trying to solve is beyond me. <laughs> Would you play stick and ball with me? (laughs) Always keep your hidden corpses well-lit. So at this point, he's going into random rooms, touching people who are supposedly sleeping, and we're to believe he's the good guy? (laughs) I wonder if I can masturbate to him. And we work with that. Oh, my God. Get my bag, it's in the
1: hall. But who is he? My bag, please.
2: He's my bag. I'm <laughs> gonna choke you out okay. so good. Gee golly, what I do just hobbles away. Yay! <laughs> yeah. This road's wild. Oh. <laughs> whoa, 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 oh, I almost lost my head again. Oh! Got oh, another, these... another purple moon today. Oh, these...
3: Alright, that's a sitcom shot right there.
2: Uh, and we're living in a house. He's got a bunch of corpses and stuff. Little cripple boy walking around <laughs> shouldn't go places where he keeps on going. <laughs> it's the Hackenstein show canceled.
0: Uh, there we go. That's that's some day. Hey, that's some great first-only content. Uh, but if you want to spend more money, come see us live. Mm. Can't do that with a first membership, <laughs> no sir. We have a live show, Funhouse Live, uh, and hey, cults are in. So we thought, why don't we just hitch our, our train to that bandwagon?
1: Sure, it's based on a cult.
0: It is. Uh, one that we invented. So, I mean, I don't mean that. I mean, <laughs> there, was a, there was a very smart, uh, blessed man that achieved nirvana yeah, and taught we had us a all vision. the way. We had a vision. Taught us the five uh, sacraments of holy living. And we can pass that on to you April 26th at the Regent Theater in downtown L.A. Uh, Doors are at 7.30. But for money, you have to pay us. You do have to pay us money, but that's, you know, it's not easy running a religion and saving lives and making people attain uh, their spiritual awakening. Costs money. That's why you have to pay us. Yeah. tabs aren't free (laughs) for us. Uh, Actually, they kind of are, but... (laughs) We're still going to put on a great show. Uh, I got another a new tease for you guys. So, uh... These are, these are like little excerpts of what we do roll in the show, but I'm not going to show you everything because you got to pay money and come out to see us live. So again, that's April 26th. Here's a little tease for you guys.
2: Before I found the Tiberius method, I was ugly, but now I'm a beautiful person. I have long flowing golden hair. With the teachings of Corner Mandingo, Dingo, I have become the most beautiful person I can possibly be before finding the light. I was mostly repairing old jacuzzis.
3: Before the time service method, I was nobody. And now I'm somebody.
0: (laughs) That could be you. (laughs) You could be one of those beautiful... Hey, becoming beautiful is just one of the many ways in which we will fix your life. April 26th, again, Region Theater. If you'd like tickets, uh, there's a short URL if you're just listening to this. Uh, Bitly, like bit.ly slash fhlive2 it is the second live show so bit.ly FH live 2 punch that into your browser buy a ticket come see us uh, we got some VIP that has early access got some goodies for him there's like a more intimate rap session Q&A before the show just go see Avengers the next night please Avengers. go see Avengers the next night it's not going anywhere oh boy did we pick all sorts of fights with
2: <laughs> landing that date it's gonna worth, be worth two avatars you don't need to help him
0: <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah help the help the little guy help the cult huh when do cults ever get help? Come to see us live, <laughs> April twenty-six, seven thirty, uh, Bitly FH Live Two, and we got a link in the description, uh, so or the liner notes, whatever. So we'd appreciate it if you came out and saw us. We'd like to see you too. Um and that'll that'll do it for today's podcast. Hey, thanks, Freddie. Yeah, hey, no
1: problem, man. Anytime. Always a pleasure. And yeah, thanks bro. to Hey, where can they find you, Freddie? I'm well, actually Oh, yeah. uh, uh, I'm
3: on Twitter at Flong. Uh, and check out we're doing a podcast. You can check it out. i we're gonna have a lease on in a couple weeks called Story Break. She Just was on search before, that. Right? Yeah, she was. Yeah. One a really good episode. We broke uh, the Microsoft Clippy Feature film,
2: <laughs> and we it
3: turned into a Disney '90s like proper uh, Disney uh, original movie. So sense, we do a whole bunch of good stuff. Uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah. So what, what's the concept of Story Break? Real story quick? Break is we have an hour to take a concept and break the movie for it. So we've in recent weeks we've done like Duke Nukem. If you remember the, the oh yeah. of the Duke, We're like all right, would well, the Duke Nukem it? movie. B. I think we came up with something uh, pretty good there. Uh, we did Kirby. We did Stretch Armstrong. Uh, <laughs> we were doing like procedural generated romance titles. So
2: it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Can I throw out a suggestion? Yeah, it's here. hear it. um, Since we're gonna run out of things to do in the expanded universe of Star Wars. Can you get that robot from the original Star Tours? <laughs> oh, his oh, yeah. good. oh, that's really good. We've done two Star Wars one. We did Jar Jar Binks
3: and we also did Aunt Baru. <laughs> like Aunt Baru teams up with Hot Three PO and they do a whole it's a whole like <laughs> travel sister of the traveling pants thing. Uh. But the yeah. Star Tours robot's really good. That's God, literally going. I, I on just the list.
2: imagine he's just literally going on He's like, on the a, list right he's like now. a Vietnam War veteran. <laughs> the he's Star like, Tours robot. It's he's like, my like, first date too. Yeah, he's like the Bob Ross of Star Wars. He's like I murdered people.
0: <laughs> you guys want to? You guys want some deep lore? Yeah. Some sure. Hyper deep lore. Yeah. Disneyland Japan has Hatbox Ghost droids. So those are the ghost, those are the ghosts from Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. But they're in droid form. So how does that work in a
2: Star Wars can? Hmm. I don't. I don't know. I'm J- not sure that
1: they can answer that. Japan's heck.
2: doing its own thing, ma'am. They just license it. It's all. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a different. They have less jurisdiction there. <laughs> they have gone crazy. Yeah, they're like some kind of cult. Until Disney buys Japan, <laughs> which all of, of it good on the list. I wish they may. Yeah,
0: that'll be. We're we're seeing a lot of cyberpunk milestones come and go. Mm. I'm waiting for a private company to buy a nation just to deal with like an annoyance. Like you're gonna tax us? Fuck you! We just bought you. <laughs> I'm still waiting <laughs> I mean, for a neo.
3: Blank you could argue they do like that when any with. sort of city like a neo. Oh, great.
0: oh like
1: it... a neo Tokyo
0: or yeah, yeah. Neo oh, Frisco or... I thought you meant a dude in a trench coat flying around. I mean, yeah, that too. That, cool. that will lead
2: to that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're should, dragging me. Be, chicken and an it egg. It should
1: be Neo York eventually because it was york first right. and that's then after good point. new york now it should be neo york.
2: yeah that's after like the like manhattan well, experiment 2 happens or, or whatever. Well, bruce the laser wars minute. or something
0: let me uh, i got to let me turn up the font size on this real hard cuz i'm about to blow your damn mind you ready for this uh-huh all right
3: note notepad here we go
2: <laughs> look at that oh like new metal that's right in you wow. new york no umlauts or 2049 okay.
1: Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, I
0: yeah. Know. I don't know how to umlaut on a English no, keyboard. I don't know. Alt
1: uh, one five three. I know. I don't know. I, know.
0: I mean, one five three is trademark.
2: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a
1: classic. Lawrence knew what trademark <laughs> was. Oh no, way! that was perfect.
0: Oh,
2: I got close. You got close. Don't worry it. about it. It's really fun Spot. to just
0: experiment, and see what comes out. <laughs> wow,
2: it's like I'm in PowerPoint class again, or whatever. You'll get it. Eventually. No, that's
0: that's just in stupid. Would See, want, come on now.
2: You
1: want to just end the podcast?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for thanks for listening or watching. However you did it this week, I appreciate it. Um, I'd also appreciate it if you have some time. Leave us a little review, comment, recommend it to a friend. Those are all wonderful. But if not, hey, have a good day. If you're watching live, we've got the post show coming up. We'll uh, we'll be looking at some fan art, fielding your questions live. It's what we do. We're also all of us licensed doctors, therapists, psychoanalysts, and a physical... Account, or Physical therapists. Where are they, are you? Sorry, yes. it's, okay. it's hard to remember all the titles because we've done so much in this world. So uh, we we can provide professional, solid, rock-solid advice. Investment uh, banking advice, we have that too. So uh, stay tuned if you're watching live. But if not, check it out. First membership, one of those things.
2: But yeah, thanks for watching this week. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Later. Yeah. I have a year and a half of uh, community college under my belt. I don't know if you know that. <laughs>